Asia Tech Podcast with Graham Brown and Michael Waits. Michael Waits. Michael Waits. Hello and welcome Michael to Asia Tech Podcast Stories. My name is Graham Brown. Today we're going to talk about, well, the life of an entrepreneur from working for large corporates to working for dynamic startups and then eventually starting your own startup and the difference in all of those stages and what you learn as well, as well as life as an entrepreneur in Asia and importantly, I think it should be told this story life as how can we put this an older entrepreneur and I can say that with authority because he is actually younger than me but compared to what we in the media portray as the average entrepreneur he's probably more realistic about what's going on right now especially in Asia so Joni Ustvein if I get that pronunciation right it's perfect let me know welcome to the show Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Excellent. And you join us from Singapore today, but originally from the Netherlands, right? Yes, that's correct. Born, well, well, yeah, it's a bit of a story. Born in, in Korea, grew up in Holland, um, living now in Singapore. Excellent. Well, we'll talk about that because that's an interesting part of your story. And I think it sort of adds really to what you're doing and the flavor of what you're doing because it it's always an interesting part of the story when you're trying to ask the question why or answer that question and understand you know why is it you're doing this why is you you involved in these different fields and so on and often you know that journey of moving between countries and cultures and what you learn in the process is a key part of it in terms of you know what you do at the end of it in terms of the startup and the kind of things that you built but let's start there with the startup Okay, so let's talk about Arto. So this is your thing. You're the founder of Arto, which you founded two years ago. I'll let you tell us and the listeners what Arto is and also what the problem is that you're trying to solve there. Yeah, okay, thanks. Yeah, so <clears throat> Arto is a, um, uh, it's a discovery. It's an art discovery app that helps the, uh, the average consumer to uh, yeah, discover and, and, and buy art. Uh, from their mobile phone, and um, the reason um, why I started this is because um, I myself was actually uh, I moved to a new apartment, and um, then I was looking actually to um, for 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 a nice art piece. Um, and naturally, the first thing I did was go online and um, Google, and um, I searched for buy art online. And at the moment, I I hit the uh, you know the enter button. I was like. I was like, yeah, this is actually, uh, this is not a, a good uh, search uh, query um, because all the results are, are very generic. So you all get all these all online art galleries. Um, and then I was like, yeah, actually, I, I have to describe what I'm looking for. And then I actually was staring at the, at the search book for like 10 seconds. I'm like, whoa, yeah, I have to describe my art taste. And then I was like, yeah, what do I want? Mm. What do I like? And um uh, it's not that I'm, uh, you know, uh, uh, completely illiterate in, in art. I, I, I do have an interest in art, but I'm not an art expert. Um, and because I was working at Spotify at that time, uh, I, uh, at that moment, I was thinking like, hey, this experience of me as a non-art expert searching for art, that should be actually like, like more like Spotify with recommendations, mm. you know, based on your your, your, your behavior and your taste, um, there should be a, a, a service that, um, that provides you with art recommendations. 
Because um, I guess people don't really know what they want, do they? I mean, if you're an art expert, you might say, okay, look, I'm looking for a particular painting by Shield yeah. or something like that. You know specifically what you want, but I don't know just, how the art market yeah. breaks down. I imagine most people are actually not art experts. They're, they're, well, they're not professionals, they're amateurs, right? They're just consumers who have money and an interest. Yeah, exactly. And, and um, so I started asking around, like, uh, hey, can you describe me, if you had to buy art right now, can you describe me what, uh, what type of art uh, you're looking for? Mm. And then nine out of 10 people, they're like, that's a, that's a good question. And then uh, I don't know, I don't know. And then they're, they're like, well, if I, if I see it, I know if I like it. And then I, then I was like, hey, if I see it, uh, I know if I like it or not. So then I, the, the, the whole concept started to, to uh, uh, fall in place a bit more. I was like, you know what? Uh, I will create an a, a app with an Instagram-like feed. Um, and in that feed, you have uh, all kinds of art images uh, from you know, different types, different, uh, different genres. And then I let the user swipe left and right to indicate if they like it or not. And then based on the swiping behavior, we will understand, you know, what your art profile is. And then based on your art profile, we will recommend you art pieces. Hmm. Um, are these so originals or yeah. these, you know, these yeah. prints? These are, uh, can be both um, originals, uh, prints, um, and uh, it, it depends on your, uh, uh, all on your taste. So we have... Uh, yeah, we have like contemporary, uh, pop, urban, street, um, abstract, uh, impressionistic. Um, yeah, we have 25,000 artworks right now in our database from 6,000, 6,500 uh, artists. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a, a pretty much for, for everyone, there should be something they, uh, they, they'd like. Hmm. And how is that different from, say, if I was to go to Google, and this is probably the route that you took, is that if I was to search for art, I would end up at one of those poster websites, which they're not bad when it comes to understanding your, well, your taste, but that's really just a checkbox, isn't it? I'm interested in floral prints or I'm interested in contemporary. And you know, yeah, that so they have like 200,000 prints to look through. So you have to. Yeah. So that's the difference. So you, you go to a, a, a poster site or a uh, online gallery and then you just start start browsing um, and then you can filter if you want like you know I well I want contemporary or uh, um, yeah I want yeah, something with animals or yeah floral um, and um, but you have to actively search and um, what we actually do is we try to reverse that process so instead of you searching uh we let you browse and swipe and then we start giving you recommendations so on the fly while you are looking um and and, and swiping we'll, we'll give you recommendations that that's the that's the big difference so obviously you've mentioned spotify and we'll talk a bit about your background and how you got into this because that's kind of leading into that whole idea of you know how you actually solve that problem if you were to compare what you're doing at Arto, you know, where you're effectively matching consumers with a whole market of different art, is it a lot different from what Spotify does when it takes, you know, music consumers? And in the same way, I guess, even more extensive the size of the market, it matches people with musical tastes. Yeah, so in that respect, um, it, it, it is uh, it is a bit similar. I mean, I think Spotify. Uh, when I joined Spotify, what they uh, what they were 
what they saw really well is they said the, the first time when they launched Spotify, it was about streaming music from the from the cloud and, and, and being able to have it, you know, on every device and have every uh, song on your fingertips. Um, but that became like a hygiene factor when like guys like Deezer and, and um, um, uh, Apple Music came in. So they, they saw that, that and they, they then said, you know, we have to focus on recommendation. Recommendation is... Um, yeah, that's going to be the, uh, the differentiator. So in a, in a very early stage, they already started with, with his recommendations and they, they even bought um, uh, a couple of companies to, to get those recommendations uh, right. Um, and, and nowadays, if you look at, at Spotify, the recommendations like uh, Discover Weekly, um, uh, you know, for me, that was, that's like, mm. I remember that they launched it. It was like 75% of the songs. It was like really spot on. And when I started Arto, I had that in mind, uh, you know, to to really help people uh, to to discover art because there's so much art out there, and if you don't really know, um, yeah, what you want um, and what you're looking for, then where do you start your your, your search? Are you just going to uh, a website, um, or are you just uh, going to walk into a to a gallery? Mm. Um, yeah, that can be can be pr- pretty uh, difficult and time time consuming. So that's what I really want to um, uh, to facilitate. Especially, I suppose, for the artist, do you have artists come to you directly and get onto your platform. Yeah. So right now, we we see artists coming in, galleries uh, coming in, uh, and we actually work more with um, uh, with galleries. Mm. Um, so as actually, I, I forgot to tell you that we have. Two value propositions. One is uh, towards the consumer, like I said, uh, help them to discover and buy art. But the other uh, value proposition is towards galleries and independent artists. They can upload their artworks uh, onto our platform. We then index that with our recommendation engine Mm. and then stream the artworks to the person who is interested in the art. Um, So that that is very very helpful for the galleries because galleries, they have an artist, they they know a lot about art, but they don't know much about, you know, digital and online and e-commerce. So they're, they're really struggling with that. And they, they do see that they need to do something with that. Mm. And, and, and Arto helps them to, um, yeah, to provide them a, a digital distribution channel. Yeah, the, the key here is that they don't really understand these or they don't invest any time in these channels, do they? Because not what they know. And discovery is such a, a big part of their success long term i suppose galleries have a formula don't they which they've used for well hundreds of years really yeah which is they understand that if they have a place on the high street or even a place that's known to a group of art collectors or art fans they'll usually have their exhibitions and their shows and it, it is very much driven by those events isn't it which is good but it's not it's not sort of it's not I suppose in, if we look at it in the context of search, it's like the paid search, isn't it? They can get those big lumps of traffic, but then it dies out. And they need that organic search, which is people coming in and saying, okay, I'm looking specifically for artwork, which is, you know, a theme, a naval theme, for example. You know, on a theme like boats. So there yeah. will be an artist that does exactly that, right? Somewhere in the world who is in a gallery somewhere. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, and that, that's what we uh, that's what we help them with. And 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 galleries do indeed, like you said, they they have the, the art market is is very traditional, and they uh, they really struggle with like yeah, you know, how do we 
even like with a website and e-commerce, they, they don't really know how to how to do that. Like, you know, how, how do you build a, a, a good website with the with the right UI UX mm-hmm. and 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 it's also very costly. Uh, they they think like okay, I build a website once and then I'm done, or I build an app once and then I'm done. But it doesn't it doesn't work that way. Is you know uh, you're you're iterating, you know, uh, continuously. And you know, for example, we have almost every yeah two weeks every month we have a a, a new release an update, um, and that's that's what they they, they don't understand. Um, and and yeah, uh, we really try to help them and create a larger user base um, than yeah what what they currently have because right now they're very much offline and they they need to have it from like like you said traffic passing by uh, or people searching on the internet and finding that that gallery and then you know drop by there. Uh, that's the way how how it's going right now and it's uh, how it's always been. What's the um, the breakdown of your market? Is is it? All Asia, all Singapore, you don't have to give us specific numbers, but just generally speaking, how much of a, you know, an Asia influence yeah. or theme is, is Arto? Yeah, I see. If I look at the top countries, it's actually um, US, Western Europe and Asia mm-hmm. um, and, and, and Asia and specifically India the last month has been uh, growing quite well. I'm, I'm not sure uh, why, but I, I talked to some people from India. They say uh, that that uh, there is a you know a big uh, art market there. Um, so um, yeah, I, I see the um, uh, the growth in uh, in Asia for uh, for art. But it's also funny to see that the, the tastes in the different regions. Mm-hmm. Uh, for artists is different as well and that's something that we can see as well we can see per region or city what type of um, art a user is interested in or um, um, yeah what what kind of price range they're they're, they're looking at mm-hmm. is there any sort yeah. of interesting patterns there where you can say generalizations about people's art tastes by city well not by city but i see in in asia that um like they like more like traditional art mm. uh like oil paintings and and um yeah not not too difficult not too pop or uh urban um whereas in uh, well for example in, in western europe um photography is uh is really big mm. um so that that those are one of the differences that we uh that, that we see Interesting. And what about the artists themselves? Where are they based? Can they be anywhere in the world? And you know, putting on your platform, and then because I, I want you know, for example, if you have a customer in India, and you have an artist in could be anywhere South America, for example, logistics of actually shipping the art must be a challenge, right? Yeah, true. So, so we um, yeah we help them with that. So. How it works is, let's say that there's a customer in India who wants to uh, buy an artwork uh, from somebody, from an artist in uh, in South America. Um, the customer uh, pays us, and then we uh, uh, we hold the money, or actually uh, hold the money for like seven days. And first, we check with the uh, with the artist of the uh, or the gallery if that artwork is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's there, um, then um, we send a courier over to, uh, to the gallery or to the artist, um, and they um, ship the, uh, the artwork, and we transfer then uh, the money to the gallery or the artist minus a, a transaction fee that we take. 
Hmm. Okay. So that that must be a bit of a challenge, though, isn't it? Because now you're dealing with valuable merchandise and you're shipping it between countries that must how do you sort of work that part out because that must be kind of a weak link in any kind of setup like this yeah to be to be honest we we are uh, actually setting that up right now mm-hmm. um and i've been talking to uh, uh to galleries and artists who have experience in um in, in, in shipping overseas internationally um and that is um yeah it, that 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 is a challenge um, especially uh, the the bigger an artwork is, uh, the more challenging it uh, mm-hmm. it will be. But what we see is the, the, the sweet spot for um, yeah, the, the art that we're selling is around like yeah between seven hundred and and two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Um, so those artworks are not too big. And um, what artists and galleries do um, often as well is that they that they roll it up and uh, they don't send it framed. So then the 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 end user, the client, has to frame it themselves. Mm-hmm. Fine, but there's an established process for this. I guess that's what we're, we're getting to, isn't it? I mean, they they've been doing it for years. What you're really doing yeah. is just connecting the buyer and the seller. And yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about the genesis of Arto itself. So you're just under two years you've been doing this. Uh, this is the first startup that you've started yourself. But before that, you were yeah. involved in startup-like environments. Tell us a little bit about what you were doing before Arto. Um, just a quick summary. Don't give it, you don't give us the whole resume, yeah. but just kind of what kind of companies were you working for? Yeah, so I, I started off my career in, uh, in, in a telco, mobile telco, and, and, and there um, I was part of the team that launched um, like the first mobile internet, which, which was called iMode. It actually came from Japan. Maybe you might know it. Um, no, very well, yeah. It, it was licensed from, from, from Docomo. And then, um, actually, because of that, uh, I was like, wow. I was talking to all these these um, yeah, content providers, uh, and, and they were creating like Java apps and 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 websites uh, for um, for iMode and, uh, and I was like this is actually really cool what these guys are doing you know you could mm-hmm. see when you're talking to them you could see the fire in, in, in the eyes and, and, and enthusiasm I was like you know what I actually I actually want to want to make a switch and uh, go work for one of those uh, smaller companies so yeah that's uh, that's what I did and uh, so I've been working for some um, yeah, smaller startups uh, in in France and in Holland um, I, I worked for um, a um, yeah incubation project with uh, with Philips which was like a, a streaming service uh, for music uh, which completely failed because they were way too early mm. uh, everybody was downloading music at the time iTunes just uh, just launched um, so yeah, I've been I've been uh, uh, working for uh, uh, small startups and uh, uh, bigger corporations, and then the last uh, company I worked for uh, before I started Arto was uh, was Spotify. Um, and um, yeah, the, the the culture there is very much like a startup, but yeah, it, it, when I joined, uh, it was already like a thousand people there, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, it was getting pretty structured. Okay, so it's interesting. You were at KPN, who were the initial sponsors of IMOs in Europe, right? Yeah. And that yeah. was a big risk for them, taking that yeah. on. So, I mean, they were quite pioneering in that sense. And as you said, like with uh, Philips as well, the was it Beat Brew, wasn't it? The the music yeah. streaming music 
yeah. uh, venture that you're involved in. Again, was quite pioneering, but maybe too so. Even maybe like KPN, it was maybe too early compared yeah. to you know the KPN's problem was is that they were launching mobile internet when the telcos were still making a, a ton of money out of SMS, right? So exactly, yeah. Why yeah. do we need this thing, right? And then Beat Bruce was too early, maybe technologically in terms of what consumers wanted, and we still didn't have people like Apple who were educating the market really you know they were spending all that money educating people about the idea that you didn't have to have cds and all that kind of thing anymore exactly exactly yeah so you were a bit early there and then you were at spotify which really was a pioneer again in its space i know obviously itunes had been around already and there'd been a number of streaming services you had people like pandora and so on yeah. um but spotify was the really you know the one that got it right and as you say they got it right because they realized it was about recommendation and discovery and so on. And that's the key to their sort of long-term success. So you've been at quite pioneering um, companies, even though they weren't startups effectively. So, you know, you're involved in this risk-taking environment. And then you started your own startup. So tell us a little bit about why you decided to start your own business, Ryan, rather than go back and work for one of these pioneering type large tech companies yeah no i mean it's a good question because you know working for spotify is is, is great the company culture is uh, is great i had um great colleagues there uh it was very international uh i had a you know good salary um, um but there was i've always had this idea that i wanted to start my my own business and experience mm -hmm. how that is and i was like um, I have many ideas, but uh, most of them, they, you know, I, 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 I was like, no, it's not going to work. So I was like, you know, my, 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 my biggest um, uh, critic caster. Um, but uh, yeah, so I wanted to, to, to start something and experience that. And then the idea for the, the art recommendation, Ardo came up and I was like, uh, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Am I, gonna uh, continue working for Spotify which is great uh, very comfortable or am I going to try something new right. um, and this really was when you were at Spotify right you the yeah. idea okay yeah did, did you actually start the business and develop the product in your spare time whilst you're also doing Spotify no I actually I I, I thought about it about a year uh, when I was working at Spotify mm. and then I thought you know Okay, I I, I I have to um, I have to do it. Let's uh, you know uh, let's 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 do it, and then I have to really do it. Um, quit Spotify and raise some money and and you know and experience the real mm. uh, real startup life. I, I I don't know. For me, it was a feeling like uh, if I do it, then I have to uh, focus on that for hundred percent. I can't right. I can't do it like um, you know half half. And you were so yeah. 41, 42 at the time you quit Spotify? What was the story? Yeah, 40, I was at probably like 41. 41, yeah. so you were 41 quitting Spotify. What was what was that like in terms of your motivations, your feelings and so on? Because Spotify, you know, you could have easily stayed there for the next five years and you could probably got your options and so on and you could have done yeah, very well. Exactly. So yeah. no, what, I, I, what was the story? Yeah, I remember, I was like, you know, I... I when I took the decision, I was like, I was, I was really like 
psyched. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And uh, I was working on my pitch deck and everything. And um, But I remember as well, I, you know, the, there's thoughts creep up like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Is this the right choice? <laughs> am, I, uh, am I insane? Or, you know, where is this going to lead to? But, um, yeah, eventually I, I did it. And I'm, I'm really happy because uh, I, I, I think in the past two years or, yeah, year and a half, I – I learned more than I did in, I think, maybe the last five, six years. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, it's so much different to to really have your own startup, um, you know, uh, raise money to employ people, uh, work on a product, which is really your product. Um, How is it different? It, uh, you say it is different. Can you quantify that for somebody who doesn't have that experience? Because there's a lot, there's a lot more people who aren't entrepreneurs or haven't experienced entrepreneurship and a lot of yeah, people are interested yeah. what do you mean by it's a lot different in what way so basically you you decide everything uh, i've never been a a product manager i've always been uh, on the commercial side doing partnerships um uh, uh, business development um so right now i decide myself okay uh, how does this button on the left is going to look like, or how is this flow, the, the, the user flow, the onboarding flow uh, going to work? Um, so we discuss it with the development team, and then we do it, and then two weeks or four weeks later, we, uh, we launch it. So you have so much more influence, uh, and you decide everything um, yourself, um, which, is, which is great, but it, it also at the same time, it also means a lot more responsibilities. Um, and uh, on top of that, also all of a sudden, you know, you have um, you have employees, um, you know, people that you pay. They are, yeah, they are. Uh, their life is basically responsible uh, in your hands because you give them uh, money every month. So that is like a, a pressure that I've never felt before. Before I was always like you know, working and I had to you know take care of my own salary and that's uh, that's it. Mm. Uh, how many employees uh, have, do you have now? Uh, I have two backend developers, um, a designer, and a frontend developer. So it's four plus means five. Okay, and I know you talk about paying your employees and obviously them relying on you, but now you're also in this this new position, which is you get paid last, right? If at all, being a startup founder, and whereas you know if you worked at Spotify, you would always got paid. Now you're in a situation where, you know, any yeah. startup finder would know sometimes you don't take a salary because, you know, when you're starting a business, you need the cash flow and so on. And yeah. sometimes you could take a salary, but you have to pay your employees first. And exactly. how does it feel yeah. to be in that environment now that you've been, you know, a number of years in corporates, especially when you think going back to KPN, where that never would have been the case, right? You would have been as safe no, as yeah. houses. How, how does that feel now yeah. being like that? Yeah. So, like I said, in in the beginning, I was uh, it, it it felt really like I had to get used to that feeling. Um, but now I'm actually so I'm not paying myself. Um, I uh, I decided to to use my savings uh, to you know for uh, to live on, and all the money I raised in the beginning is going towards development to my developers. Um, so and and in the beginning that that felt really. Weird, not having you know that, that 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 money coming in every month, uh, and I felt uncertain. 
But actually, right now, um, I'm, uh, I'm used to it. And uh, it, 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 yeah, the, that initial, uh, yeah, the, the initial thought that I had, like, like, oh, my God, you know, I have no money. That is, that is uh, uh, gone now. And, um, and, and yeah, the way I dealt with it was like, you know, okay, I'm going to try this. Um, whether it works or not, it's going to be a great experience. Mm. Um, and yeah, that, that relieved me of a lot of uh, pressure. Yeah, excellent. Well, let's talk about that as well. And let's talk about one thing you mentioned off tape, which is key to the, the journey with Arto is you're going for further funding as well. I want to come back to that in a minute. And I want to put all of us in the context of the fact that, you know, you're now 43 years old. I don't want to keep reminding you, keep reminding you, but I'm 45, right? So it's like, I'm, I'm not sort of kind of rubbing it in younger than me, but it's kind of interesting. There's an interesting story here, isn't there? That, you know, that you, okay, you started your first business when you were in your 40s, right? And um, it's interesting because there's, there's kind of like a, uh, a narrative about what a f startup founder should be. And, you know, we read the magazines and we see yeah. the news about, you know, this 19-year-old kid. I mean, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's story has kind of left that imprint, isn't it, on a whole generation yeah, of people. Of, you know, this genius yeah. guy in a hoodie, he's 19 years old, he's a billionaire. Right. And it makes us all 40 year old guys thinking, well, hang on a second, right? what am I doing with my life? I'm not a billionaire. And I wasn't at 19, certainly. And then you have all that thing about, you know, these young kids, effectively still teenagers coming out of Stanford University, walking into startup accelerators, getting $5 million in funding. They've never worked a job in their life. Right. And this is the first thing they've ever really done. And I think in a way for older entrepreneurs, it's can be a little bit, not demotivating, but put doubts in your head because you may think, oh, I'm too old to do this. I, you know, I've, yeah, it would have been easier if I was 19 because I didn't have anything to lose now. But now I'm 40, I've had a career, you know, you might have a family, you might have a mortgage and so on, all that kind of stuff. How was it for you when you decided that, you know, you were going to do this? And did you ever sort of think about your age and think about it as something, did people say things to you or did you sort of look at imagery and think actually hmm not kind of me i'm not like one of those entrepreneurs how did that work for you no actually uh, uh, nobody actually said anything and also when i talk to vcs they don't say that, like hey you know you're you're 40 already are you sure um but when when you know when you, when you go to those uh, meetups or conferences and you're like oh yeah uh, i'm 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 older than the uh, than the average uh, entrepreneur here um, but for, for me, it, 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 you know, it, it, it felt good. Uh, for me, I think, uh, I probably wasn't ready, uh, at a young age and, um, um, you know, I, I just want to, to, to work, develop a career and get experience, um, at first. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, for me, it's, I think it's, it's a, it's a personal thing that I really made a step when I was, 40 because I, I felt ready at that time that I, you know, I could, I could handle it, you know, probably if I would have done it earlier, you know, uh, I might not have been ready and, uh, it would be, a you know, I would have been, you know, uh, ready after, after one year. Um, but for me personally, it was, yeah. Um, right timing. I'm ready. Yeah. The right timing, even though I'm 40, 
uh, you know, it's, it's the right timing. The, the, the difficulty that you do have is that, like, like you said, you do have like financial obligations, um, your family, uh, your house. Um, but then again, also, I uh, had, you know, I had savings and I said, you know what, um, part of the savings that I have, um, uh, I'm going to pay, uh, uh, my, my mortgage, uh, partially. And, uh, and then this part of, uh, of the savings, I'm just going to spend, uh, on, you know, on art or on, yeah, on myself. Mm. And, um, so, and I, okay, I say, if this is gone and there's no more investment, um, that's it. But then, you know, still, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's a great experience. I had a great ride. And I think that is something that I would, would say to anybody is like, like, um, enjoy the ride as well. The ride itself, the whole experience right now. So I, I really try to enjoy everything that I'm doing right now. And not mm-hmm. only looking at, uh, this, this, this goal of like an exit or a, a IPO. It's like, I think it's more, the, the ride itself that is that it is fun than to reach a certain goal. Hmm. Very true, because you may never get that goal, right? I mean, all the goal may <laughs> come in a different form. I'm not saying, you know, you won't be yeah. successful, but often we have some kind of goal that we set in the future and we get something else, which is actually yeah. probably better for us, right? The goal that we were kind yeah. of chasing, maybe it was somebody else's goal because we just kind of yeah. plucked it out, you know, from, yeah. from the I, cosmos, I, yeah. so to speak. And I think that's what I what, that's what I learned when when I got older. It's like in the beginning, you yeah you you set these goals when you're young. You're like, okay, I want to do this, and I want to. And um, so actually, the older I got, my goals became um, yeah shorter short term. So I, I only look a year ahead now, basically. Mm. That's uh, very interesting. There's a sense of maturity, isn't it? I mean, any of the investors that we talk to here on uh, Ace Tech Podcast. I think we'll say, and some of them have said this on tape as well, that you know the best investments for them are always uh, the startup founders with life experience. And then there's a number of reasons for that. And one is the attitude, like you, you know, it's uh, you approach it in a way which is better for somebody who wants to put their investment into it, because you know you're not going to run away. You know, um, you have to make this work. You can't. You know, you've got a, a mortgage and so on, and you know this is something you're passionate about. It's not just something you're yeah. doing just because everybody around you is doing it, right? So there's that part of it as well. And also, I think importantly, you bring a lot of experience that a, a younger founder doesn't have. You know, you've worked at companies like Spotify, you've worked yeah. at you know the large operators like KPN. You know, you those companies bankrolled your learning, right? So for an investor, no, I, that's, I, that's good, right? Because an investor doesn't want to bankroll the learning of a startup founder, right? And say, okay, you've just learned about, you know, what yeah, it used to be in the telco yeah, industry, right? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think that's, that's true. I mean, uh, with every new job that you take on, you, uh, you, you learn something. And, and um, uh, yeah, if, if you come straight out of school and, and you know, you, you start your own um, startup, then probably some money is going to be uh, wasted on things that you, you know, have to learn. Um, 
Uh, I, and I'm not saying that you know that you, you shouldn't uh, do a startup when uh, when you're coming straight out of school. I think it's a, it's a great experience as well. But yeah, it has its pros and cons, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the key message there is is that you know there is that thought, isn't it, that you know, oh, don't go to school, don't get a job at a KPN. You know, it's a waste of time. You're going to be in some dead end job working for a big corporate. You know, go and start a startup. That's fine, but. Also, there is an option to go and work for those big companies isn't it? and get some experience and you know, go yeah. and see a bit of the world and then bring that back in and start a startup later yeah. on. Don't feel pressured to go out and start up, start up straight away. Yeah, no, exactly. I think, I, I think a good example uh, is um, so me working for, um, for eBuddy, which was already a bigger startup when I, uh, when I joined that. And, and, and eBuddy was a company that, um, that was into, uh, into messaging. Mm. Um, and they got big because they provided like uh, Amazon Messenger on the, on, on the mobile phone. Um, and it, it, that was a, a, a great experience uh, for me, first of all, uh, to see how we uh, actually uh, were yeah, basically wiped away by WhatsApp because mm. uh, eBody at, the, at their heyday, they had like 35 million monthly unique users. Um, so it was really big. Um, and, but they didn't react quickly enough on that development that, you know, the, the WhatsApp development and all of a sudden WhatsApp came, came along and, um, and nobody was using, uh, Amazon Messenger and Yahoo anymore. And, uh, mm. uh, there, there you go. So that was, that was a good experience to, to, uh, to see that from, from close, but also, uh, they gave me the opportunity to, um, uh, to go to Singapore. So, the, uh, they had a big user base in India and Indonesia, and um, um, I took my, my my CEO there, the founder, and I said, "Hey, you you you've never been there, and we got a big user base there. Um, I think we should go on a trip, and you know, so you see the people and, and our users. So so we did that, and then when we were doing that trip, he was like, "Yeah, he's like, yeah, we have to open an office here in uh, in Asia." I'm like, "Well, you know." Uh, if uh, if you want, I can do it. Uh, you know, uh, um, so that was a very yeah very good experience. And thanks to 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 them, uh, I um, I could come here to Singapore, and and then Singapore turned out to be this 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 haven for for startups. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's definitely I think yeah it wasn't wasn't it for for eBody and coming to here to Singapore. I'm not sure if I would have first started. Yeah, very interesting the way that you put it as well. And your timing in Singapore has been really fortunate. I mean, you moved to Singapore in 2011, correct? Yeah, yeah. So you moved to Singapore in 2011, which really, I mean, when we speak to most startups and investors, that was really the starting point for the, the startup scene as we know it in Singapore. That's, you know, really only five or six years old. So you've been in that scene since the beginning. I know it's a short period of time, but you compare yeah. that to other places like Silicon Valley, where it's now generations, right, of startups. True, yeah. But yeah. you're in Singapore, yeah. and you're also now looking for a further raise to raise some further funding. What's the story there? I mean, you've you've obviously successfully secured angel investment for so some seed funding for you arto to yeah. you know, to get you up and running to get you going to help build the product and develop the product and so on what's the next step and why do you need the this the new round of funding yeah so um i i got angel funding in and that went actually 
pretty pretty fast, uh, and and I, I did that with uh, with a pitch deck, ten slides. You know, typically uh, you, you go online, how to create a pitch deck, and then uh, I got that in. Um, and I also think it, it helps because uh, I was in Singapore, and there there is money available um, uh, here, and and. Um, so, and right now we're we're growing. The user base is growing, and yeah, we just need more money to um, uh, to to scale up. So, I'm 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 actually looking at two things. Um, I'm discussing with uh, with VCs as well here, but uh, the VCs are a bit slower than uh, than angels. So angels, they. Um, you know, you, you talk to them once, twice, and it's okay. Here, yeah, here you have money. So, uh, I'm, I'm doing. I'm looking to raise uh, another uh, half million. Um, I think partly will uh, partly will come from VCs and partly from uh, from angels, um, and that will that will then give us a, a runway of, I think, about eighteen months. Um, and within those eighteen months, we basically we have to do three things. We have to um, get a bigger market share, uh, user acquisition. Uh, the retention needs to go up, and um, show revenue. Mm. So those are the, the the three objectives for the next eighteen months when we have the money in. Yeah, well, all the best with that. I mean, if I just curious to know about where you are in terms of your own entrepreneurial journey. I mean, if a a Spotify or a KPN came back to you and said, Joni, uh, we need a a CEO for APAC region, you're the man, and you know here's the salary that you dreamed of. Would that be something that you could ever consider in the future, or do you you now so committed to being an entrepreneur that you could never go back to the payroll? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. So right now, because and that's one thing here in uh, in, in in Singapore as well is like. There's so many jobs in the tech space and and, and the and the yeah uh, in the startup uh, scene. So you get approached probably like or I get approached like quite regularly with like jobs left and right. And, um, but I'm like no, I'm 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 doing this. Uh, I'm doing art. I'm I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I think it's been um, the best career move ever. Um, so I'm I'm really enjoying this. Um, and I want to see where it leads to. And like I said, um, you know, it, 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 um, statistically, the chances are big that it goes bust, of course. Mm. Uh, I don't think it will, but uh, the statistics uh, say that, you know, uh, most of the startups don't, uh, don't make it. Um, um, so I want to see uh, where it goes. Um, if I succeed, it's going to be great, and I'm going to keep doing that. Um, if, if I don't succeed... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll have to look um, at that time. Like I said, uh, the older I I get, the the shorter term my my plans become. Mm. So I'm just looking like 12 months ahead right now, uh, and then I'll see uh, I'll see what happens. But yeah, maybe if if this dream job um, you know comes comes by and and I don't have anything at that moment, um, I I might do it. Although, yeah, the the, the the amount of freedom that you, uh, yeah, that you have, um, is yeah, it's nothing. Yeah, you can't compare that with you know working mm. for corporate. Very true, and it, and as you get older as well, you place an increasing amount of value on that as well. I mean, when you're younger, absolutely, yeah, you, true, have, yeah. you have time to burn, don't you? But as you get older, yeah. 
you value your time and what you do with your time, who you do with it, where and, and so on, it becomes so yeah. much more valuable. And you can't oh, absolutely. Put, yeah. You can't put money on it, can you? Hey, that's Joni Oostveen, everybody. Um, and, you know, if you want to find out more about him, we're going to ask him to give us a link where we can go and find a bit more about him and Arto, his story. Where would we go? Um, you can go to uh, LinkedIn. Um, so LinkedIn.com slash in slash um, Johnny Ostvein. So that's it. J-O-N-I-E. Oh, sorry, you don't need to spell it out. We'll put it all in the okay. show notes. Don't worry. <laughs> all right. Okay. Because yeah. you lose everybody. And also a link to Arto. Yeah. So that's uh, Arto.gallery. Very simple. Excellent. Johnny, it's been great having you on the show and sharing your story with us. And I think anybody who is sort of listening to Johnny's story um, will sense that, you know, now somebody like you has done this, even though the future is unknown and unwritten, that you've, you know, taken a, some brave steps in the right direction. And yeah, that's, and I mean, enjoying it. Yeah, exactly. That's the key, isn't it? Is that that's yeah. really the, the measure of success, how much you enjoy the thing and how much you enjoy the journey. Yeah. More so than the, you know, the result of that journey. Yeah. And I think that's kind yeah, of like the, what people need to learn when they listen to your story if they're thinking about going down this similar route as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's the the one advice I would give like when you're doing this, then enjoy the ride. because uh, it's a, it's a it's it's a lot of fun. Fantastic. Johnny, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing the ride with us. We enjoyed that very much and it was inspiring. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at www.asiatechpodcast.com.